0: Hey, friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. And this week's edition of the classroom, where we have been studying the book of Hebrews. And today we come to, I think, a very important passage. I loved this passage. I loved it so much. It's one of those where you're so excited to, to teach the passage that when you're done, you feel like, ah, oh, I just messed everything up. It's just, it's hard to match the expectation from the study. But we deal with some key verses in, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And so, I hope you'll buckle in and uh, stay with us here in this study. I think it'll be a challenge to you. And and podcasts, I mean, it's a little different. You're not in a room atmosphere. And so uh, it's easy to let the truth kind of slip by as we're listening to it's a good habit to listen to. I listen to podcasts, but I hope, especially as we get towards the end, that you will just kind of zero in and, and take a real serious assessment to say, where am I at? Is this a problem in my life? And then I hope that you will take the steps in order to, um, to change things. This I've tried to do is I've studied this and, and tried to examine my own life. So really enjoyed this study. I hope it's encouragement to you. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's adult Bible study. All right, let's take our Bibles, go to Hebrews 2. We've moved on from chapter 1, and we've come to chapter 2. We're going to cover just four verses, but they are very important verses. So important. That the people listening on the podcast are going to miss out, but it even brought out the artwork today. All right, I got a stick figure on the board. I got some lines. We're going to get to that here in just a second. But we've come... Remember, this is a book about spiritually immature Jewish believers. And I don't mean that as an insult. It just means that they were not growing as they should. They were being tempted to go back to Judaism... Uh, to put themselves underneath the law because that's what they knew that's what their family knew and there was some persecution but in chapter one we emphasized and the the author emphasized which uh, we're we're going to get back to here in just a minute but that Jesus Christ is superior and I think before I even say what I'm going to say I want to see look at the very first word because I want to teach something the very first word of chapter two is what it is therefore And there's a principle you hear if you grow up in church, you go in church often, but anytime you see the word therefore, you want to back up and see what it is Therefore, You want to get that context. And so he starts in chapter 2. Now remember when he was writing this, he didn't put in his head chapter 2. Those chapters got added later. But he was tying with that word therefore. He's tying everything in chapter 1. And in chapter 1 is where we emphasize he's he's now building on that facts that were presented he emphasizes that Jesus is superior to the prophets. And he said that God has spoken in the past through his prophets, but now he's spoken through his son, he's spoken through Jesus Christ. And then because he knew the mindset of these Jewish believers, he's he begins this contrast of Jesus to some of the things that these Jews would hold highly. He begins not only with the prophets, but then he starts with angels, and he says Jesus is more superior than angels. And he, in doing this, he described a little bit about Jesus, and we, we listed several of them. I won't go back to all, but he talked about him being creator, he talked about him being set at the right hand of the Father, a, a position, a, a position of power, a position of uh, royalty. We, he talked about. Um, well, I talked about he's being creator. He's the the image of God in verse three, and so he spent a chapter building up who Jesus is, and then he says at the beginning for us, chapter two, therefore. So based on what we know about Jesus, greater than the prophets, greater than angels, but then look at the rest of this. Therefore, we ought. Anytime you see that word ought, it's interesting. It means with something that we should do. We don't always do it. Like I ought to diet, but I had a powdered donut this morning okay so i ought to but i don't always so we ought to give the more earnest heed just let those words sink in earnest this is something serious heed we need to take warning to this we ought to not everyone's going to choose to do what we're going to talk about today but i hope this class will we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard well what have we heard we've heard about jesus We've heard. We've heard who he is. We've heard about this. The relationship we need to have. We learned how better Jesus is. How great Jesus is. Then he's going to go on and he'll say some more. But he says this warning, lest if we don't take heed to this, lest any time we should let them slip. The word "them" is italicized. It's just a side <laughs> note. If you like to study, it means it wasn't in the original Greek. It's added for clarity. So. So he's saying that we hear, or need to take heed, we need to be warned, because we can allow the truths that we have heard to slip if we're not careful. The word slip has the idea of to drift, and I want to come back to that, but he remember who his audience is, as have already set up this morning as I got ahead of myself, but he's talking to these, these weak, struggling Jewish believers. And he's saying to them, after pouring his heart out in chapter 1, this author, whoever it may be, he's pouring his heart out, and he says, Just, you have to take heed to this. And you have to do it earnestly, because if not, you're going to slip. The idea of drift, the word slip means to flow by. You're, you're, things are going to flow by. You're going to begin to drift if you are not careful. I want to read all the verses, and then I'll reference them, I think. Because he says in verse 2, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders. And with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. There's two key phrases in here. First one I've already emphasized, that he says there's the, lest at any time we should let them slip. There's a danger of drifting that I want to talk about today. But then notice verse three. <clears throat> with just a clear just a simple reading of it. You may think that he's talking about salvation when it refers to heaven and hell. If I get saved, if I don't, I go to heaven or I go to hell. But he's he's actually remember he's writing to Christians so keep that in the background he's writing to christians so he's and then notice this other word how should we escape if we notice that next word neglect He didn't say reject he said if we neglect let's think about the word neglect for just a second if i neglect my wife that doesn't mean that i'm not married there's a difference between the word neglect and reject if i reject someone that's a big thing if i neglect it that's not good either but it established that there's something there that is not getting attention right now. Reject just means I don't want anything to do with this. Neglect means I'm just not paying attention as I should. My brother talks about, and I read this as well. Remember Armstrong the Bicyclist, Lance Armstrong? I think after five years of marriage, I don't remember how long it was, he ended up in a divorce. And his his wife in the divorce papers just said, he just, he got so consumed with bicycling He just didn't care about us anymore. He neglected his marriage. And so he just drifted. His neglect led to a drift and then eventually led to a divorce. And so what we're going to talk about today is not marriage, but what we're going to talk about is what can happen in our spiritual lives. Because what can happen, for me, uh, I got saved when I was about 12 years old. Let's say this is little Brad right here, all right? And you podcast people can't listen to this or see this amazing drawing that I have. But this stick figure, let's say this is me, this is the day I got saved. I got saved in the upstairs part of my old house. It's just in front of where Aaron and Becca live now. Uh, but I got saved there that day. So before that, I was lost, but I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. I was always in church. But I got saved about 11 and 12 years old. And on that day of salvation, we that's when we see the word salvation, that's what we think about. On that day, I went from being condemned to a place called hell because of my sin Now I have a future in heaven one day. I'll be in heaven. I I don't know why I just did that. But this is what happens when I start. Let's do this. All right. I've got a future in heaven one day. I put my H a little sideways. You guys just bear with it. All right. I got a future in heaven one day because of what took place in my life in that second story of that house years ago. I'm on my way to heaven. But I got this time right here right now. Man, I'm still on this earth. I'm 42 years old. That was like 30 years ago that I got saved, and I'm still making my way down here. Okay, I'm still on my way down. Not there yet, but I got. A, I know that's there. I've Got a little boy waiting for me. I got a few. I got a few little boy. little kids. I'd say little boys. I don't know what they are, but they're waiting for me. I got grandparents waiting for me. I've got great grandparents waiting for me. They're all there waiting, but I'm not there yet. I'm still somewhere. Right here. And what he's saying to us is he's talking to Christians. So he's, he's saying, he's not saying you rejected this moment right here. He's saying you're neglecting salvation. Because salvation, and I've talked a lot about this, if this is the moment of my salvation, okay, if this is the moment of my salvation, at that moment I was saved from the penalty of sin. The penalty of sin being hell. I was saved from the penalty of sin. But salvation is, is more than just the past. It also is the present right now. I'm saved from the power of sin. That's Romans 6, 7, and 8. So right now, because of Jesus Christ, I don't, as you guys, some of you heard me teach on this so many times, my favorite subject. But we always think of salvation, just this one right here. But right now, all of us are beneficiaries of salvation because Satan has no control over us anymore. We have victory over sin. Does that mean we're sinless? No. But that just means none of us can ever sit back and say, well, I just have to be this way because it was, you know, it's in, it's in my genes. My parents were this way. My grandparents were this way, so I have to be this way. No, Jesus is better. That's our theme in Hebrews. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than that anger that may be passed down. He's better than that alcohol problem that's been, been passed down. He's better than all these sinful that's been passed down. Jesus is better. And because we are saved, you may be 30 years into this, But you have, Jesus gave you victory over the power of sin. Sin's powerful. But remember when Romans 6, I can't get sidetracked on this today, all right? I love this topic, but don't let me get sidetracked. But Romans 6, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Sin can't control me anymore. Why? Because I have Jesus Christ. I can't teach this, but why does sin sometimes control me? Because I let it, right? Remember he says, in Galatians 6, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But sometimes I choose to walk in the flesh and not the spirit. They're contrary. So Jesus gave me salvation over the penalty of my sin. He, right now, I'm, I can be living in the salvation over the power of sin right now. And then one day when I get to heaven, I'll be living in the pre, uh, without the presence of sin. No more sin my little son braden up in heaven right now is not dealing with sin at all i don't i talked about him this week i don't know what a 16 year old boy looks like in heaven i'm sure he doesn't look 16. i don't know i have no idea but what i do know is he's not doing any of the sins that my nine and my 11 year old boys are doing right now he's not struggling with that it, i don't think that um i don't think god's up in heaven saying uh, braden calm down man i walked through the store yesterday with two boys And I tech called my wife. I was like, I'm going crazy right now. I can't do this. I don't think God's up in heaven saying, somebody get Braden out of here. This kid's, he don't deal with that. Why? Because the presence of sin is no longer there once we get to heaven. But right now, there's a lot of sin. But I don't have to have, it doesn't have to have dominion over me. But so often it does. Why? Because we drift we can begin to drift. And that's what he's talking about here. That's why the danger of drifting is where we're going to start. He says in verse 1, "We must." He says, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed. This is The, the word is, it's, gives, leaves the idea of an urgency. This is something that needs to be taken very serious. And he says that, that, that we, the things we have to hold tight, we need to heed to the things that we've heard. It's not just hearing these things, the things that we've heard, but also doing. Because what can happen in our lives... Is we're saved and we're excited and then we're 30 years in and we start to drift we start to let the things slip that we've learned and we can drift you know the thing about drifting is you don't even really notice it one time I was up in the UP and I was fishing and I was on a boat on uh, Lake Erie where the Sault St. Marie thing is up there I think I was Lake Erie but I was fishing up there and I was with this guy and we were in this boat, and the engine died. And I was like, I don't know anything about it. And he finally, he checks. He's like, oh, we're out of gas. I'm like, all right, put some more gas in. He goes, I don't have any gas. <laughs> now, this isn't Cataract Lake, okay? So I'm looking that way. This is, there's Canada over there, and I can see Canada. Way, way over there is where we need to be. Sun's starting to set, and he's looking at me, big guy, and he says, I don't have any gas. I forgot to grab it. So I don't know anything. So I'm just okay, well figure it out, you know what I mean? I didn't know what was going on. So I'm we're sitting there thinking through this and he's I'm watching. I I see a spot. I'm trying not to panic. So I'm just going to go to fish. So I'm watching where we are. I'll fish for a little bit, trying not to panic. Talking to him, he's trying to figure out, dude, no cell phone service of course back then. It's I mean, you weren't you weren't have an on phones back in that point. probably it was like 2000 five or six, so maybe, I don't know, there wasn't an iPhone yet. So, we're, but I'm fishing, and all of a sudden I look back to that point, and we had drifted quite a ways, and you don't even notice it. Drifting can happen. Now, that, how that story ended, by the way, what would you do in that situation? Anybody know? Two thousand five. I didn't know. You take your anchor, and this guy is probably dead by now because of this. You throw your anchor, and you pull yourself forward. And you throw your anchor, and you pull yourself He did that all the way back. I'm just fishing. (laughs) I was like, do you need me to help you? No, I got it. He felt so bad. I'm like, all right, can you go a little faster? I can't troll here. No, I didn't do that. But I mean, we just, he just threw that. I mean, we had to go, we had to go a long way. And he just threw that anchor. And we were late back. Everybody was worried about us. It was a crazy time, but the drifting was a concern because you never drift towards something good necessarily. It, it wasn't like it was just perfect. And we're drifting right back to the dock that we need to be at. You see, and, and especially spiritually, you always drift towards bad. Okay, so what happens is in our Christian life if we don't take earnest heed, like he's saying, and if we allow what we know to just slip in and out, you just show up, and I'm going to talk some things about. Neglect here in a minute, but if we just show up and we let it slip right through, it comes in, it comes out, and we begin to drift at that point. And when we begin to drift, we're in trouble. Notice what he says: the risk of, of drifting away. And I think he had that the idea of a boat in mind because this we were talking about it as we were studying it. This word to slip it has this nautical type of term. It, it's got. He, I think the author had a boat type of thing in mind, but I just mentioned an anchor, and anchor is what keeps you from drifting if we didn't want to go to canada which we didn't uh, we would have just put the anchor down in panic for a little while but he decided to throw it but that anchor secures us and keeps you from drifting what is our anchor spiritually it's the truth of jesus christ it's his word this is an anchor for us and so we can't allow the word of god to slip that's why I never feel bad in teaching saying, hey, you've got to get in the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. Don't just depend on the pastor to give you the Bible on Wednesdays, not because it's anything you're not gonna, on a pastor or a teacher, because we need it every day of our lives because this anchors us on Monday. This anchors us on Tuesday. This anchors... Because you can drift pretty far between Sunday and Wednesday, and if you don't go on Wednesday, you can drift really far between Sunday and Sunday. But you've got to have your anchor we got it be in the word of god and so we we drift if we don't we're going to be drifting through some dangerous currents i'm just trying to read my notes because i'm just going off the cuff right now but departure from the faith usually comes from slow drifting not a sudden departure that's a big phrase right there that's why i wanted to stop and read it it's easy to tell when something dramatically changes but when it's a drift, we can drift into danger and we don't even really realize it. Just like when I was sitting there on that boat, we were drifting towards Canada. But if, you, if it hadn't been for maybe his panic and my panic, you wouldn't have noticed because it was happening so slowly. And I see that happen a lot of times. It happened, It's happened in my life spiritually. And it happens in a lot of people's lives spiritually. We think, oh, I'm fine. I'm showing up to church. I'm, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. But our heart's drifting from God. And we're not honest about it. We'll come back to that in a little bit. So, but what's, what, what, what leads to the drifting is what's the next part is in verse three, when he says, well, let me read two though, cause we need to comment on this for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and he seems to be indicating a rhetorical question that it was steadfast. So you guys believe what angels say. You take that serious so serious that every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. And again, this, this he brings up angels because they reverence angels and because somehow we don't know this fully how. But Galatians tells us, and I think Deuteronomy tells us, I read them to you last week. The angels had a part in bringing the Ten Commandments to Moses. We don't understand all that. Why? Because the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about it. It says it in Galatians and it says it in Deuteronomy. So we only know a little bit about it. But we know that they had some part, and because one of the reasons why Jews reverence the angels so much. But he said, if the, what the angels brought, the Ten Commandments, you guys hold so steadfast, and you understand that if you transgress that Ten Commandments, or you disobey that, there's going to be consequences. Why wouldn't someone who's greater, Jesus, who gives us his word, which is greater, we've already learned, why wouldn't there be consequences to neglect They're not heeding to that. And so the word spoken through angels, like I said, was that Mosaic law. Disobedience, when he talks about disobedience and and transgression, there's two things. The transgression, I'll say this quickly, but those are sins of commission. means that's something I do. So if I commit a sin against the law in the Old Testament, they knew that there's going to be a consequence. But, But there's also the sin of omission. That means I don't do something I know I should do. And that happens today in our lives as well. That We know that there's some things we shouldn't do, and we do it. But there's also things we know, like, I should do this. But we don't. That's a sin of omission. And so if those got, were punished in the Old Testament, why wouldn't there be consequences in the New Testament? Now you say, hold on, you just taught something. You had that mean emoji on one side, Brad, and you had the smiling emoji on the other side. So how do you reconcile all this? The word is Consequences. And we can't be foolish enough to think that because we're just all under grace, there's no consequence, nothing happens. No, there's a thing called in Hebrews 12, discipline. God does discipline us. My lesson on that Sunday night that I taught was not that God doesn't discipline us, but he doesn't, the punishment Jesus took on the cross when I got saved right here, but disciplines like you would do with your children. Proper discipline's not not done with the idea of "I just want to kill this kid." That's not proper discipline, all right? Proper discipline is, I want this kid to succeed in his future, and I love him, and I want them to, to be good, godly young men, so I'm going to have to discipline him in this situation. God wants the absolute best for your life. And when we begin to drift, when we begin to neglect, it may bring some discipline. But the discipline isn't what we often think. Well, I'm in that car wreck. Must be God is disciplining me, maybe not. It may just be you're in a car wreck, but God may use that to teach you. But the discipline may may be come in a variety of different ways. So the idea is we don't live our life scared to death that God's going to strike us dead. That's not how God is. That's not His nature towards us now. But the danger of neglecting there is a danger, and we can there's sins of commission, sins of omission. But then. A lot of this, a lot of our spiritual problems, myself included, when I include that R, is caused by neglect, probably more than any other failure in our lives. It's neglect. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about this in our lives. Do we ever neglect God's Word? I just said how this anchors us so we don't drift. But just think about the last seven days in your life. I, I don't know, so I can't be saying that. You guys could be perfect. I'm sure my class, you guys are perfect. But <laughs> Brian, think about Brian's class, all right? For the last seven days, did you ever neglect the Bible? Did you ever, did you ever have a day when you're just like, man, I, I didn't read. I don't spend time with God. No. Or did you have maybe a day where you're like, I read it just so I can do it. You neglected the devotional part of it with God. You say, Well, I may have done that, so am I the worst Christian in the world? You may not be, but you could. You add that day and you do another week like that, and you do another week like that, another week like that. All of a sudden, you've drifted farther than you say, I didn't even, I, how did I get to this place? You drifted. What about, let's think about neglect. I said, Here's the statement I made more spiritual problems are caused by neglect, not necessarily out there. I don't know maybe if anybody's out getting drunk this week. But we may have neglected the Bible. How about neglecting prayer? Think about your last seven days. Would we say we're progressing in prayer? Or would we say, you know what, there was some neglect in my life last seven days. Think about church. Some of us sometimes we neglect church. I'm just I'm just giving the basic things that help build us. And the New Testament's emphasis is on the local church and the church that you're as you're here right now, so I'm speaking to the choir. But we're learning, we're growing, we're fellowshipping, we're encouraged, we're worshiping together. But do we neglect church because it's all just a drift? Say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. It may not be a huge deal week one, day one, but it's easier now the next day. I just won't read today, won't pray today, won't go this week. And now, next thing you know. You are over here in some sins of omission or commission, and you're like, how did, I, how did I get here? You're drifting. We neglect other opportunities to grow. But ultimately what I'm talking about, and what this chapter is talking about because he's writing to Christians, he's not negle- there's a great application if you want. It's not the main thrust of the text. We all could it's a great preaching to say you know what if you neglect salvation you're going to die and go to hell. Well that's true. It's more of reject salvation. But man that'll preach. But that's really not what this text about. It's a side application. And if you neglect salvation, the great salvation, you will die and spend eternity in hell. But really he's talking to people like you and me Christians. And he used the word neglect not reject. And he's talking about neglecting this abiding walk with jesus every day remember john 15 one of my favorite passages it talks about abiding in the vine when we abide in him then that's when we abide in christ that's where we see our victory over sin that's why we don't when we abide in christ that's where we see our power to serve and whether it be teach or sing or serve god that when we're abiding in christ that fellowship with him that's where we see the power when we see answer prayer, it's because we're abiding in Christ. When we anything that God we see God do through us is because we're abiding. I've taught on this, it's one of my favorite lessons. I take a vacuum, remember, and I plug it in, it turns on, and that's it relation that's a picture of abiding in Christ, but you unplug a vacuum and vacuum this whole place. With it unplugged, what's gonna happen? Nothing. Because it's not abiding in the electricity. There's a lot of Christians that are going through their Christian life not abiding, not plugged in like they should be. They're neglecting that abiding relationship, so they have no power. And they're looking around saying, Oh, I don't know why they're seeing so many answered prayer and I don't see answered prayer. Are you neglecting some things? They seem they're discouraged all the time because they're sin, they're like, sin is just beating me up. You guys don't have to struggle with sin like I do. Well, maybe they do, but they <coughs> abide in Jesus Christ, they confess. And a lot of others, maybe we neglect it, And so. We, we, we start to doubt We I mean, you say i don't know why how are you so confident i i doubt all the time am i i doubt god i doubt this well it may just be we're not abiding in his word remember he's remember the beginning of this he said take earnest heed You say oh, that's not that big of a deal well you may be, if you're struggling with doubt it's a big deal you're struggling with discouragement lack of power lack of fruit in your life all of it comes because we neglect and then we drift Two words that I want you to leave with today in your mind. We neglect, and then we drift. And we don't feel bad on the neglect, because maybe nobody knows. And some of the things, some of the things they do, but some things people don't know. And we think, it's not too bad, but what happens when you neglect is you begin to drift, and then you start to struggle. And so the author here, his point is very simple. He's saying to them, if you respect and you fear the law so much because the angels delivered it how much more should you reverence the gospel that was delivered by the son of god remember the gospel being not only from the penalty of sin but from the power of sin and if and if and if you would reverence that then you wouldn't neglect and then you wouldn't drift we need to be anchored you know what anchors us this word right here you know what anchors us that abiding relationship I was telling my brother recently, I want to. I want to. I've done it like twice here, once in a class and once for main service years ago. I want to teach on that abiding thing again, in John 15 sometime, because I want. A lot of times we you hear the word abiding, like I don't know how do you abide. So it means to connect or remain in fellowship. We're like, well, how really do I do that? And I want to break down the how sometime. I don't have time here today, but one of the keys is. You have to stay in communication. How do I stay in communication with the God of this world? It's through the Bible and prayer. That's it. I communicate to him through prayer. He communicates to me through the word. You say, well, I already know that. Yeah, but are you neglecting? it? That's the main question today. Because if you're neglecting that, you're going to drift. You won't notice it at first until you get too far away. And that's a dangerous situation to be in. So we were talking about this. I didn't have this in my notes, and I'm done. But we were talking about this. It's easy to tell people, "Hey, don't neglect, don't don't drift." Well, how do you get out of it? Because what I have found in my life, when I start to drift, it's because I it, it, someone can yell at me till they're blue in the face and say, "Let's take my eating a donut this morning that I shouldn't have." All right, you guys can yell at me and say, "Brad, you need to lose weight. Stop eating donuts." And I'll be like, yeah, you know what? You're right. But I'll stay right here. And when Michelle's not looking, I'll grab another donut. Okay? So what happens, we have to, it's easy for me to look today. And I don't don't know any, maybe none of you are drifting. Maybe none of you are neglecting. But it's easy for me to sit here and say, guys, we can't, we got to take earnestly. We can't do this. But we've probably established some pretty bad habits that got us to this place. So it's all about two things, habits and discipline, which I wish I had time to teach on. But what I would say to you, first of all, is the first step is we have to assess, am I drifting? And we have to be honest. If we're not honest about it, then if we're, am I drifting, am I neglecting? If the answer to that is yes, then we've got to say, what steps do I take and put in place that get me back to where I want to be? What time, where should I read? My wife and I got a good little routine going right now. Her better than me, probably. But about nine o'clock, you're going to find this lady right here sitting in a sweet chair. My, I love this little reading room we have. She's sitting in her chair. She's got her study Bible open and she's reading. And then I always, if I want to try to talk, she's like looking at me like, "Hey, me and God time. You know, leave me alone." But she's got her spot and she's reading. So step one may just be, hey, if I don't, if I'm been neglecting, I need to find me a good spot. Man, I get in that. I tell her all the time. She probably thinks I'm weird. I love that reading room. I could stay in that reading room all day long. I love the reading room. I read books. Okay, maybe you just need to find your spot. This is my spot. When I'm in here, I'm checked in. Maybe find a spot, find a time. But what I'm trying to say, and I know I'm going long, is that you have to drifting. It's easy just to say, oh, "I got to stop this," but you got to you got to figure out how to get steps to get back. Yes, you need the power of God. But set yourself a schedule. Set yourself a time. You know, make, make, Get an accountability partner. Whatever you got to do to get out of the rut and get back into the fellowship with God. Because when, if we don't, there will be consequences. That's not a threat. It's not a scare. It just means it's natural. If I keep eating donuts, guess what? High cholesterol. I'm going to have a heart attack. like uh, Triple bypass like my dad did when, uh, when he was in his 40s. All those things are going to happen. Is it because God's punished me? No, it's just because God's saying, hey, I'll let the donut do its work. You know what I mean? God doesn't need to punish us. We drift ourselves into some consequences. So, what are we going to do to avoid neglect and drifting? Let's pray.